At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through this three-week series, we're turning to the biblical book of Isaiah to discover how God's holiness, forgiveness, and love compel us to share Him with others. We'll come face-to-face with whatever's keeping us from answering God's call as Isaiah did. Send me. Well, good morning. It is good to see you here today, and I hope you enjoyed the two days of spring that we had this past week. That was kind of special and fun, wasn't it? Uh, (laughs) I want to begin this morning by just making kind of a confession to you about our family. Our family likes to read. We like to dig into a good book. All four of us, if you find us on a summer day when the sun is kind of beating down, there's that light little breeze going on. My guess is you'll probably find at least one of us enjoying a good book. All four of us really enjoy that thing, but we also like to do something that may be a little bit different or a little bit weird for those of you who like books, who like to engage in reading. We we do this thing that is a little bit strange, and here's what it is. We like to share the kind of the key moment in a novel when the plot twists. So when that thing happens, you're kind of going along and going along, and then all of a sudden something changes, yeah, we like to kind of share that with each other because it's kind of a cool moment. We're, we're sort of excited, and we want to share that with each other. And you might say, well, that's kind of weird because you don't know the story. I, I know. <laughs> I know. But we like to do that because we like to tell each other about the major event that changes the narrative that turns the narrative up on its head. That moment in the book when everything is different than it was before, when everything changes. Now today we are going to be reading a story from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, and it is a story in which there is a dramatic event that changes everything. It takes place in the life of the prophet himself, and from this point onward, something is different. Something changes, and we're going to engage with that in a moment. But I want you to know, it's not just, hey, we're going to read this Old Testament story and it's going to be good enough. I want you to know that this is intriguing for you, right where you're sitting today. Because what happens to Isaiah also happens to many of us. What happens in the life of Isaiah also can happen in your life and in mine too where you're going along and then suddenly everything changes. The question that you and I must engage with is if that change will actually do anything in terms of our response. Will it cause you and I to live any differently, to respond any differently? We're going to dig into the story in just a moment But first, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is so good to be here with your people. It's good because as we gather, we acknowledge that you are the one who has invited us here, that you are sovereign, and that you have brought all of us here today. Whether we are worshiping in this room or there are kids or students in other parts of our building, we acknowledge that you have given us an invitation. 
And we've responded to that invitation by being here today. And so, God, what we desire is to sing your praise, and we've done that already. What we desire is to connect with other members of the faith, and we are doing that right now. But, God, as we get to this point in our service, what we want is for you to meet with us through the power of your Spirit to meet with us as we open your Word. Because it is your Word, God, that changes our lives. It is your Word, God, that we stand upon, that guides us and leads us into everything we need to walk out our faith. So God, as we turn to your Word now, would you give us eyes to see the truth on its pages? Give each and every one of us ears to hear this truth and then humble, pliable, moldable hearts before you to not only take this truth internally, but then mold us and shape us for the days ahead. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, I want to go ahead and ask you to go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to jump right in, and we are going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 6. Now, when we talk about Isaiah, we are, this is kind of this series that we're looking at, specifically Isaiah 6, and I want to give you the context, so I'm going to read the first few verses once again, and then we'll get into today's text specifically and unpack that in a moment. But it's always important for us to understand what's going on, and uh, I want to give you a little bit of the backstory. So, Let's begin with Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. Two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go. And that's where we're going to stop. These are the words of the prophet Isaiah. These are the words that paint a beautiful and stunning picture of God's beauty and God's majesty. And these are also the words that go beyond just imagery. They take us to a point where we understand the clear and concise vision that God has for his people. It's all there. It's all there. And it's also in these words that we find this sort of 
compelling desire to move outward, to move to action. Well, this morning, as you can tell, we are continuing in our sermon series that is called Send Me, When God Calls Me to Go. And as we reflect upon Isaiah, what we are going to find, what we just read in that text is this major change that happens in Isaiah's life. And I'm going to also kind of tag on to that, likely in your life. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And what we're going to see is the reason that that change occurs and what it looks like for you and for me. But I want us to begin by just understanding something of what we're reading. What we're reading are the words of the prophet Isaiah. You'd say, well, yeah, pastor, I understand that. I understand that this is Isaiah, and I understand he's a prophet. I understand he's got this big book in the Old Testament. That's good. But what I also want us to recognize is that when we're talking about an Old Testament prophet, what we are talking about is someone who would go to this kind of public space and proclaim the word of the Lord. Sometimes you can imagine if God's people were in the middle of sin, God gave them this word and they said, go tell them to stop doing what they're doing. Not necessarily an easy role. Because the prophet would oftentimes stand in the temple courts in Jerusalem and they would proclaim this word of the Lord. That's what we're engaged with when we're talking about a prophet. That's what we're considering. Now here's the intriguing thing. The words that the prophet speaks today, I guarantee you, every single one of us wants to hear all of us. Not just this segment over here and these folks in the middle where you can kind of take it or leave it and they're really fired up about it. I'm talking about everybody wants to hear this information. Everybody needs to hear this information because it is the message of forgiveness. It's a message of forgiveness. And we're going to dig into what that looks like for you and for me, but I do want to set the stage for what we are reading. And so when we dig into this, what we need to know is the setting. So the time is 740 B.C. And God's people have been broken apart. They've been moved into two spaces. You have two kingdoms, you could say. God's people, God's chosen people are Israel and they are now Judah. And so what we have is that Israel was in this northern region and God's people as Israel, they're in the northern region, but they are kind of getting this, some heat. They're feeling a little pressure because of the king of uh, Assyria is kind of putting that heat on them, that pressure upon them. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, something that is even more significant is going on. These are a people who God had said, you are my people, and they've turned their back on him. They are a people now who are kind of leaning into idolatry. So they're disobedient to the law, they're leaning into idolatry, and that's what we find in the northern kingdom. You guys got that? Northern kingdom, disobedient, okay? Then we get to the south, and things are falling apart there too. Judah's king is a guy by the name of King Uzziah, and he has just passed away, and this is following a really powerful and significant reign. Jerusalem has been strengthened, and his enemies have been defeated under this guy's leadership. 
but it didn't stay that way. I'll explain that in a moment. But under Uzziah's leadership, you see the significance of why he was powerful and why those things happen when you consider 2 Chronicles chapter 26. I don't expect you to go there, so I'm just going to go ahead and read it for you. It says, set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah. This is King Uzziah. And King Uzziah, who instructed him in the fear of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So as King Uzziah, he took over as a young man, and you'll read that in that text. He took over as king as a young man, and what he does is as he walks in faith, as he leads God's people with a measure of faithfulness, what it says is that God would prosper him, and you've seen that. But then something changes, because walking in faithfulness does not mark all of King Uzziah's life. That's not his entire reign. At the end of his life, he strayed. His life strayed, his leadership strayed. And just like those in the north, King Uzziah had turned his back on God. So let's summarize. We've got the people in the north, that's Israel. We've got the people in the south, that's Judah. They have not remained faithful to their covenant with God. Now remember, these are God's chosen people. And what this means is that God has said, I choose you as my people and then you will then be a blessing to everyone else. Remember that. I choose you for my purposes. I will be your God, you will be my people and you're going to be a blessing. Okay? What we find in this scenario is that instead of being a blessing, both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are a mess. They're a mess. But God, but God in his goodness has decided to do something different about it. So we get to our text today. Let's look at verse 5. Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We're going to stop right there. Once Isaiah sees himself in the shadow of God's holiness, once he sees himself in view of who God truly is, he is completely undone. Woe is me. Before we move on, I want to ask if you've ever had one of those moments. Before we move on and keep working through our text, I want to ask you personally, have you ever had one of those moments? Maybe it's in your personal time with God. You you have your favorite place. You've got your coffee. Your Bible is open. You are spending time in the Word, submitting to what God is, and He just rocks your world because you get a fresh insight on His holiness and His otherness. Maybe it's in a rich time of prayer where you are just investing in praying for the needs of your family and your friends. Your life group, the people that you know that you're doing life together. You are praying, and in that moment, God reveals himself to you in powerful and significant ways. Perhaps it happened just a moment ago. 
where you were singing the words of amazing grace and it struck you that the holiness and the otherness of God is true for you because of what God has done in Christ. That moment where you were confronted with the awesomeness of God and your own depravity. The contrast is massive, and that's what you were confronted with. That is what's happening to Isaiah. Woe is me, for I have seen the King. I have seen the Lord. Church, God's purity is magnificent. It's magnificent. And what it does is it exposes our impurity. God's beauty is breathtaking, and what it exposes is the ugliness of the human heart. God's power is awe-inspiring, and when we see it for what it is, we recognize our own weakness. That's what's happening right here. Isaiah is confronted with, in this moment, with awe and wonder and amazement of who God truly is. So what does he do? <laughs> he freezes. He can't speak. Just a little research here, you find that the ESV says he is lost in that moment. Another translation, the NIV says he is ruined. You go to still another translation, the NLT describes Isaiah's posture in this moment by saying, I am doomed. Why? Because he is facing holiness. And it is in view of that holiness that we recognize our amazing need for forgiveness. I know that when I came to faith, I was a freshman in college. I didn't come and kind of walk in the door and boldly declare, God, I'm here. I'm going to be great on your team. Put me in. I didn't have this kind of measure of arrogance. I was watching the NFL draft this week, and I kind of saw how these young men just kind of parade across the stage. They're all buff and huge, and they got these fancy suits on, and they walk across the stage, and then they put their hat on of their new team, and photographs taken. It's this powerful moment in their lives. This is their professional accomplishment. And in that moment, you see pride. But when we come to faith, it's the opposite. We come humbly, aware of God's goodness and His holiness and His otherness. And what we see is our need for forgiveness. And I know I'm not alone. That's just a small segment of my story. I know your story is probably the same. When you viewed who God is and your perspective in front of him, you were probably overwhelmed for who he is and who you are and like, man, I need, I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. You see, that 
posture has been written about and talked about for centuries. A guy by the name of John Calvin wrote about it in his classic book, The Institutes. Here's what he writes. He says, man is never sufficiently touched and affected by the awareness of his lowly state until he has compared himself with God's majesty. Here's what often happens in our culture. Well, you know what? I'm better than that guy. I mean, really, I'm, I'm a pretty holy guy. I kind of do Bible studies. I kind of try to be nice to people. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty okay. The problem with that is that who we're comparing ourselves to. We should be comparing ourselves to the holiness and the majesty of God, not others. And when we do, it'll bring us to a point to receive God's forgiveness. That you and I can receive God's forgiveness through repentance and belief when we understand who God is and who we are. Our rightful place before a holy God. That's when God displays His grace to you and me. Here's how I know that. Look back at the text. Following Isaiah's confession, the woe is me, I am undone, I'm ruined, I'm doomed. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said this, behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. You see, it was Isaiah's confession of being unclean. That was what set him apart. I want to highlight the order of what we're talking about because it is so very important. First, Isaiah saw God for who he is. Then Isaiah sees his own sinfulness in view of who God is. He gets a a picture and then he's undone. And then God sends his servant to atone for him. And he's pardoned. In that moment, he is forgiven. Church, God does that for all who come to him humbly. When we come before him humbly, he provides a way for sin to be atoned for, for sin to be pardoned, for sin to be forgiven. And that way is through his son, Jesus who is the Christ. He is the one who provides the pardon. He is the one who provides the atonement. He is the one who provides our forgiveness. I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm not going to have you read it. I want to read it to you. I want to read it over you. I want you to hear the significance of this particular passage, of what it means to understand who God is, to understand your own depravity, and to experience forgiveness in Christ. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about you. Therefore, if anyone is a new creation, excuse me, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away and the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he's entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who had no sin, and in him we become the righteousness of God. Do you know that Jesus? Do you know that Christ, the one who pardoned you and atoned for you and offers you forgiveness. Now let's return to our text. Chapter 6, verse 8, to see what God does next. It says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. Send me. Now, oftentimes we can just kind of breeze through this story, and, and it's a familiar text for many of us, but we can kind of read through that story and not recognize the significant plot twist that has just happened in those few verses. A lot has changed in just that moment of time. Moments ago, what we read was that Isaiah was completely undone. He was speechless, remember? He was ruined. He was doomed. Yet because of God's grace, because of the goodness of God, he provides the prophet with forgiveness. And so now the prophet is ready to talk. The prophet is ready to speak. In fact, in this moment, forgiveness has become a mission for Isaiah. It's become his calling. Now, I don't think there are any Old Testament prophets here. I think that's safe to say. But if you have received God's forgiveness, this should stir something in your heart today. If you are the recipient of God's grace and his mercy and his kindness and his forgiveness, this should, in fact, stir something in your heart. And it should bring us to the point of our second response today, that we should share God's forgiveness with the world. You and I are called as believers to share God's forgiveness, what we have received with the world. It's really quite simple. I'm going to take you back to that place where, remember, God's chosen people were called for a reason. That reason was to be a blessing. As you are called, as you are recipients of forgiveness, you are to be a blessing. So here's what this looks like. I'm going to make this very personal. Only you live and work in your unique location. Only you. 
Only you have the friends and the neighbors that you have. Only you. I'm not there. The elders of this church aren't there. The other people in your life group are not there. Only you are there. And God has placed you right where you are for a very specific purpose. You rub shoulders in the office, in the location, wherever it is that you work. You rub shoulders with people for a purpose. God wants you to be a blessing. If you have received forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus, then what he is calling you is you are called to be a mouthpiece to the world, to share about the forgiveness that you have received. It's that simple. The question is, the question for every single person here, if you have received it, the question is, will you do it? Will you do it? You see, forgiveness compels you and I to go. Will we walk in the grace that we've been given, in the forgiveness that we've experienced, and share it with others? I want to close with a quote from a 19th century pastor by the name of Oswald Chambers. Oswald was speaking to a group of missionaries. They were just getting ready to go. God had called them to be missionaries and they were getting ready to be sent. And here is what Chambers says. He says, Our Lord never called us to successful service. You're like, Pastor, that is so encouraging. Our Lord never called us to successful service. He calls us to present Him. If you are in Christ today, you are called to present him. The one who has provided atonement for you. The one who has given you a pardon. The one who has given you the opportunity to be forgiven. Church, that is a message our entire world needs to hear right now. Will you present him? Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.